0: Good afternoon, and welcome to On the Arts, KLW's weekly radio magazine of the performing arts. I'm your host, David La Today, two Pulitzer Prize-winning offerings on the show. The first from the minds of Rhiannon Gibbons and Michael Abels in the opera Omar, currently at SF Opera. I'll talk with one of the leads, Taylor Raven. And the second from the pen of Raven Chacon, Voiceless Mass, which will be presented on a program of the San Francisco Contemporary Music Players this Saturday. Those along with guests from the Dublin Guitar Quartet, all part of the California Festival currently underway and all ahead on the arts after this news update from the BBC.
1: BBC News with Sue Montgomery. Israel's military says 50,000 Palestinians have left the Gaza city area after Israeli forces opened the main road leading to the south of the Gaza Strip. The chief military spokesman said the limited pause of five hours was not a ceasefire. He was speaking to the BBC's Jeremy
0: Bowen. The military spokesman this evening said that those uh, Palestinians were able to move from north to south because of what he called a humanitarian pause. In other words, they gave them safe passage. They said for
2: four hours, you can move down that road and we won't be attacking it. Now, it seemed to work on that occasion in terms of getting people to move, bringing in supplies. That's a different thing because, of course, it also requires a good flow of trucks through the Rafah crossing from Egypt, all of which are checked by the Israelis.
1: The Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, insisted there can be no ceasefire without the release of Israeli hostages held in Gaza. Speaking at a White House briefing, the National Security Coordinator, John Kirby, agreed that a ceasefire at this point was inappropriate.
3: A a ceasefire right now benefits Hamas. It it would give them a A a propaganda win. See, look, now there's a ceasefire and so we're going to be an equal party to this and um, and we have every right to continue to stay uh, in governance in Gaza. Legitimizes what they started on October 7th and that's unacceptable to President Biden. It's certainly unacceptable, understandably so, to the Israeli people.
1: The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights has said both Israel and Hamas have carried out war crimes. Falker Turk referred to what he called Israel's collective punishment of Palestinian civilians and the unlawful, forcible evacuation of civilians. Israel's spy agency Mossad has said it's helped foil an alleged plot to launch attacks on the Jewish community in Brazil. The Brazilian authorities said two men arrested in Sao Paulo appear to have links to Hezbollah in Lebanon. A Republican control committee in the U.S. House of Representatives has issued subpoenas to Joe Biden's son and brother as part of its impeachment inquiry into the president. Republicans say Mr. Biden illegally benefited from his son's business dealings. Here's Gary O'Donoghue.
2: This is a significant escalation in the impeachment inquiry, with House Republicans not just demanding that the President's son and brother appear before them in the coming weeks, but also requiring other family members, such as their wives, to give statements. Republicans claim that the President benefited from what they describe as influence-peddling schemes hatched by his relatives handing him millions of dollars in bribes. The White House has vehemently dismissed the claims, accusing Republicans of throwing spaghetti at the wall just to see what sticks.
1: BBC News. Rival candidates for the Republican nomination for next year's U.S. presidential election are holding their third debate shortly, with frontrunner Donald Trump again not attending. The five alternative candidates still in the field, who include the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, and the former South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley, are set to fight over issues including the war in Gaza and abortion rights. Sixteen men have been arrested in Italy and the US as part of an operation targeting the powerful Gambino crime family. The arrests come after a two-year anti-mafia operation carried out by the FBI and Italian police. Jessica McCallan reports. The Gambino family is one of five prominent New York area mafia syndicates collectively known as La Cosa Nostra. Those arrested include a captain, Joseph Joe Brooklyn Lani, and Uncle Ciccio, an alleged Sicilian Mafia associate, whose real name is Francesco Vicari. The syndicate targeted demolition companies and the waste management industry. They are accused of threatening businessmen and witnesses and demanding protection payments. Prosecutors outlined a pattern of intimidation and violent assaults intended to embezzle funds and defraud unions and employee benefit plans. The Colombian rebel group, the ELN, is reported to have begun the process of releasing the father of the Liverpool footballer Luis Diaz. Local officials and UN representatives are on their way to secure the handover of Luis Manuel Diaz. His abduction has caused widespread anger in Colombia. conservationists in Slovakia say the newly installed right-wing government is preparing to end a moratorium on culling wolves. The killing of wolves has been a criminal offence in Slovakia since 2021. BBC News.
2: This is Sunni Khaled, news editor here at KALW. In case you missed it, residents of San Francisco's Mission District are organizing to stop planned luxury apartments at the site of a fatal fire that tore a hole in the community. And the Oakland Public Library is accepting submissions for artwork to be featured on special edition library cards. You can hear these stories as well as others from our partners at NPR by logging onto our website at KALW.org or KALW San Francisco Bay Area.
0: Music of Philip Glass, an excerpt from his String Quartet No. 3, Mishima, performed not by String Quartet, but a quartet of stringed instrument players, the Dublin Guitar Quartet. San Francisco Performances presents the quartet on Friday, November 10th, this Friday at 7.30 at the Herbst Theatre. The concert is included in the inaugural California Festival, a statewide music celebration showcasing the most compelling and forward-looking voices and performances of works written just in the past five years. The festival also includes my other guests this hour, the San Francisco Contemporary Music Players, as well as San Francisco Opera's production of Omar. The Dublin Quartet is the first classical guitar quartet entirely devoted to music to new music and since its formation at the Dublin Conservatory of Music and Drama. GGQ has worked to expand the limited repertoire by commissioning new works and adapting modern masterpieces from outside the guitar repertoire. Since that founding back in 2001, they've done a four-city tour of Columbia, nine tours of North America as well. The quartet is Patrick Brunnick, Jen Boogie, Tomás O'Durkane, and Brian Bolger, the latter two members of the quartet, join me now by Zoom to tell us more about their adventures. Welcome to you, Thomas and Brian.
4: Hello, Harry. Thanks for having us.
0: Where are you zooming in from?
4: We are in Sun Valley, Idaho, which is very, very beautiful. Nice. I've
0: yet to get out there, and I've heard the Summer Festival is quite something as well. Well, um, you certainly found a niche in concentrating on contemporary music. Congrats on that. I imagine most of which has been written, commissioned, or certainly arranged by the ensemble.
4: Yeah, lots of transcriptions. There's very little music for a guitar quartet, very little music for classical guitar in general. If you go to a classical guitar festival, it's kind of like going to a poetry festival where there's only like 20 poems. So (laughs) um, that's an exaggeration. There's lots of great music, but it just feels like there isn't enough music. And to kind of, um, to expand on that, we've had to make lots of transcriptions. It's cheaper than commissioning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Well, um, you've cultivated a lasting relationship with composer Philip Glass. Tell us about that association.
4: Yeah, that was great. Um, he was like one of the motivating factors in um, forming the group. Um, we made the transcriptions of four of his string quartets, and then we had the honor of performing with him in Dundalk at a um, Louth Chamber Music, contemporary music um, concert in Louth. And then a few years went by, we made some kind of, we invested some money in making some videos, and his management saw that, and they talked to us about making a record, and then we eventually recorded these um arrangements for an album called Dublin Guitar
0: Quartet performs Philip Glass. Yeah, which not, came out in uh, uh, yeah not only the uh, string quartets, but the uh, piano etudes.
4: Yeah, we've we've had to um, look at some other pieces by Philip. Um, we're running out of the string quartet, so we play the etudes. Anything else? The saxophone quartet? The
2: saxophone quartet as well.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: That's it, really, isn't that's it? it? Yeah, yeah. we did for the moment anyway.
0: Yeah. They're working. <laughs> Great. Um, you're not only performing uh, uh, a couple of his quartets on this concert on Friday, but also uh, four of his piano etudes. What other com- composers are currently working on rep for you, or are you excited about uh, uh, making possible for the quartet?
4: Well, um, we're, we're kind of working on, we're going back in time a little bit. We're working on the Rite of Spring, the oh piano for <laughs> Not very contemporary, but important in contemporary music, obviously. Yeah. The Piano Four Hands version. So that's the latest project. Oh. But in the concert itself, um, we're playing some music by Mark Mellitz from Chicago, who's definitely in our kind of aesthetic uh, wheelhouse. Um, we're playing some transcriptions. again. we had commissioned him in 2016 for a piece called Ninkasi, which was, uh, she's the uh, goddess of beer and brewing, Sumerian goddess of beer and brewing. Um, but we've, we've kind of, we've looked for other music by Mark. We're also playing some music by Rachel Grimes um, from Kentucky. She was in a group called the Rachels, which were a, a, a kind of form of music known as uh, post rock, which is really just kind of like tasteful prog rock is, it's a name for that. And she's great. Um, she works as a composer now. So we were delighted to find out that she was a composer and we've taken some of her solo piano pieces and, and transcribed those. Who else is on there? Arvo Perth. Arvo Perth, Pert, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Summa, his, his greatest hit, <laughs> um, for guitars, and I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah, there's something else. Oh, a hame. A hame by, Desner. yeah, Bryce Desner of the national fame. It was originally written for um, the Kronos, Quartet, String Quartet, and we stole that too.
0: <laughs> Very nice um, You should have gotten for the Mark Mellets Since uh, it's res- re- regarding the uh, patron saint of beer Maybe get Guinness as a sponsor I mean, you probably work that out <laughs> Or are they already? Maybe they are already for you <laughs> I think he was just thinking like Irish guys here They like this <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, most listeners will think of a 6 or a 12 string guitar But you've also involved some unique variations on the instrument, haven't you?
2: Yeah, we have two 8-string guitars with us at the moment. So just to expand the range out, because the guitar can only play so many notes, and especially when you're bringing from the string quartet so often, it can go much lower and higher than a normal guitar. So we've got 8-string guitars that have an extra low string. It extends the range about 6 or 7 notes below a standard guitar, and then as an extra high string as well. It's just the same thing in the other direction. So we can get right up top to like high violin notes and low cello notes, just for when we have pieces that need that. Uh, we found we were kind of constrained by having to move stuff around in terms of what range we can put stuff in. This makes it much more dynamic. Mm-hmm. So we can, like,
0: And always um, acoustic or do you add some electronica to your performances ever?
4: Um, we play electric guitar Sometimes in 2019, we made a transcription of tubular bells, which was very cool. We did that in four electric guitars. And then we invited in some musicians for the end of the first half, you know, with the, the tubular bells and the grand piano and all that stuff. And um, we also performed a piece, a commission. We did four nights residency in the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Um, there was a piece by Michael Gordon called Amplified. And um, that was great fun. One hour straight through, no rests. Um, yeah, that's about it in kind of
0: electric guitar. Terms. So, but no other electronics? In other words, are you, you self looping? Just by the repetitiveness and the, no uh, alternative no. sounding mechanisms?
4: No, in the classical, for the kind of chamber music stuff we do, the classical guitars, we do amplify and we use an EQ pedal, but we don't get into any looping. There was a bit of looping to make um, tubular bells work. Mm. Um, but in the, in the classical side, we're trying to keep it as pure as possible.
0: That's Brian Bolger with the occasionally chiming in Tomás O'Durkén, who's uh, <laughs> two of the four Dublin Guitar Quartet, along with Patrick Brunnick and Chen Boogie. Um, this is your premier performance uh, under the auspices of SF Performances here in San Francisco. Is this part of a larger tour now or later, or where are you going from here?
4: This is our second last date. Yeah. We've been touring for a month yeah, nearly um,
2: finished. San Francisco is the last date yeah. of this tour. But we've been on the road for nearly four weeks now.
4: Starting in Portugal, then Syracuse, yes. North Carolina. Um, God, it's been a while. <laughs> we're, we're... Garden City, Fav- Delphi University.
0: Favorite cities Pittsburgh. or favorite cities, or dare I say ones that you'd rather not revisit? We won't say that. We actually work in one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how have the crowds been? Imagine, the imagine very enthusiastic.
4: Yeah, they they kind of don't know what to expect, really. You know, some people come expecting, they see Dublin and they expect, you know, some Irish music, Mm -hmm. Um, and they usually clear out after the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but they're not really expecting, I mean, when people see contemporary music, they also expect, you know, some level of kind of difficulty. But the music we choose is, we we tend to lean towards the, I don't know,
2: tone music.
0: There will be chord progressions. You know. Um Yeah. Well, um speaking of Irish music, I'm gonna offer you the choice of what we can hear uh, with our listeners from your album Dublin Guitar Quartet playing contemporary Irish. I've got your music for ghosts at the ready as well as cameo. What what do you think our, our audience would like?
4: Um I think they just love my piece. Yeah, opinion so yeah. <laughs> nice, you're getting there. Yeah, well, totally unbiased.
0: All right, well tell Objective. us. A- Yeah. Well, tell us about the title of Music for Ghosts.
4: Music for Ghosts, um, that's taken from an actual, the, the melody itself is a traditional Irish melody called port nabuki, which means song of spirits. So it's a kind of play on that. So I was just messing around with that melody and it comes comes around in different forms. Yeah.
0: Brian Bolger's Music for Ghosts, part of the Dublin Quartet, along with Tommaso Durkane, also on our Zoom, and the other two Wall members, Chen Boogie, Patrick Brunnock. They will be appearing uh, all together uh, this Friday at the Herbs Theatre as part of SF Performances. Lads, uh, enjoy your stay in, in San Francisco, won't you?
4: We will, yeah. All right. I've got a few days off, and I'm going to go check it
0: out. Oh, great. Here's Music for Ghosts, music by Brian Bolger as part of the Dublin Guitar Quartet. Thanks, guys.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Music of Brian Bolger, music for ghosts. Brian is a member of the Dublin Guitar Quartet. You can hear them this coming Friday at 7.30 at the Herbst Theater as part of the Grand California Festival under the auspices for this concert of the San Francisco Performances. sfperformances.org for more information. More on the expansive California Festival in forms of guest artistic director from the San Francisco Contemporary Music Players as well as San Francisco Opera. <phone rings> That's an all-too-brief excerpt. Omar, my son, no matter what they say, where you go, I am with you. Sung by my guest, Taylor Raven, from the extraordinary 2023 Pulitzer Prize-winning opera with music by Michael Abels and music and text by Rhiannon Gibbons, currently at SF Opera through November 17th. Omar is based on the fascinating autobiographical writings of Omar Ibn Said, a Muslim scholar from the Senegal region of Western Africa, Abducted and taken on board a slave ship in 1807, then enslaved in North Carolina and in servitude until his death at age 93 or 94 in 1864. The score is rhythmically and melodically imaginative, incorporating a number of African drums in addition to the standard orchestra, with a sound world that reaches into West African kora, bluegrass, spirituals, folk music, and jazz. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest and involve her further in the discussion. Taylor Raven has been called a vocal sensation and is quickly establishing herself in opera, concert, and recital. She returns to San Francisco Opera for a role as Fatima in this opera, Omar. She uh, made her debut at the San Francisco Opera for a trio of operas, including the world premiere of John Adams' new opera, Antony and Cleopatra, Dialogues of the Carmelites and La Traviata. She's also appeared with Kentucky Opera, Seattle Opera, Des Moines and Metro Opera, Houston Opera, among many others, as well as soloing with prominent orchestras around the country. She's an alumna of the Marilla Opera Program here at SF Opera and plays the important role, as I mentioned, of the mother of Omar in the opera, and her character is Fatima Taylor. Welcome to On the Arts.
3: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Congratulations on such a moving, moving performance. I was in tears on more than one occasion watching this, and I hope people can experience this. Um, I should mention that Omar is a uh, co-production of the co-commission of the Spoleto Festival, USA, Carolina Performing Arts, San Francisco Opera, L.A. Opera, Lyric Opera of Chicago, Boston Lyric, and Detroit Opera. And the world pl- premiere of the opera took place in Charleston uh, in last May and June, followed by LA Opera that fall, and several others. A presentation of lyric opera in Chicago is slated for a future season. Now, most of the opera, um, Taylor, you're appearing to Omar in spirit as you're killed off kind of early in Act One.
3: Yes. Yes. Um. You, you get to see Mother in, in, in the earthly realm only for one scene. Um, she is killed during the raid, um, and when she reappears, she is coming as a uh, spiritual figure um, there to protect him and, and guide him towards a safer um, place and thereafter in spectacular costuming, I might add. (laughs) In beautiful, beautiful costuming. (laughs) Let's
0: explore a little bit about Omar himself. His writings in Arabic were translated sometimes with bias and championed by the evangelical community back then um, that he was enslaved to as an example of a Muslim finding the true path to real religion, i.e. Christianity, because of Omar's writing. Again, in Arabic, um, in an Arabic-language Bible given to him by his captors, but there's no real evidence, though, that Omar ever gave up his Muslim faith and identity, is there?
3: No, there is not. Um, he maintained his faith um, throughout his his journey through this enslavement and his time in this country. Um, he was respected and revered, um, in Fayetteville especially, um, and he was respected as a scholar on some level, but I think that, that um, his, his writing uh, in Arabic was a form of protest um, as well. Yeah, I
0: should mention that um, there's a a spot where they say, oh, see, he's come and seen the way when they talk about the the 23rd Psalm and him writing at the cover of his Bible. It really wasn't the Lord is my shepherd, but I want to go home in Arabic. Exactly.
3: Exactly. Yes.
0: And these are, interestingly enough, these are the only writings in Arabic by an enslaved man in the United States, some of which went undiscovered until 1995, I learned.
3: Yes, yes. It's really interesting. I think the story of Omar is, is something that, you know, not many people know about. Um, I actually grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is an interesting fact. Wow. Um, I'm from there and I grew up uh, driving past the mosque that's named after him and all of these things. You know, he spent the majority of his life in Fayetteville. And I hadn't heard about him until I was asked to do this show. So um, it just goes to show you how much of of our history is still not being told, and 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 still needs to be told.
0: Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the stunning uh, visual aspects of the production. The production design by Christopher Myers emphasizes the power of the written word with costume fabrics, settings, and projections displaying multiple African languages. Omar's Arabic and English script and the newspaper ads are projected as well as historic records from the slavery industry here in America. It's really, a, a, let's talk about the costumes for a bit. Um, yeah. it, they're pretty, pretty powerful.
3: They're beautiful. And um, they a, most, a lot of them contain his writing um, and, his, and his handwriting on them. Um, they're stunningly beautiful. Um, and the draping is beautiful it's just they're also extremely comfortable so that's so really nice that's a plus
0: that's a plus (laughs) well (laughs) and it is visually it just it really captures you because a conscious and brilliant incorporation of that arabic print his his writings on the costumes themselves instead of just going with traditional african dress or the even common clothing associated with american slaves it was a really wonderful decision
3: yeah. Yeah. I, the, the, the design of the show is, is, is breathtakingly beautiful. Um, I have so much respect and I'm in such awe of how beautiful it all looks.
0: Well, we should give a shout out to, to choreographer, Kiara Ben, set designer, Amy Rubin, costume designers, April Hickman and Micheline Russell Brown, as well as lighting designer, Pablo Santiago. Um, A shout-out to the projection designer, Joshua Higginson, another stunning uh, aspect of that. Uh, There's a very powerful, and again, moved me to the point of tears, to see in the second scene of Act One a projected image of the hold of a slave ship, an image that many of us may have seen in book form, with shackled slaves lying side by side and occupying every possible square inch of the lower deck or decks of a slave ship. It just sends chills down the spine to think of man's inhumanity to man, especially given the news of the day out of the Middle East. It's just, it's, it's stunning.
3: It's really stunning. It's actually one of my favorite scenes in, in the show, um, the honoring of the Middle Passage in, in that moment of, of the obscenity that people went through and, and the horror that people went through and done very tastefully, um, really beautiful musical moments as well.
0: Well, well, um, let's give a shout out while we're shouting out to some of your castmates. Um, yes. Most importantly, Jamez McCorkle reprising his acclaimed portrayal of the title character with a terrific ensemble cast featuring Brittany Renee, Daniel Ulkutch, and uh, Norman Garrett. I mentioned some of the production team there earlier, um, and just a few opportunities to catch it through the 17th. I really encourage people to do so. Now, I, I understand that Rhiannon Gibbons uh, took a little time out of her very busy schedule, came to the rehearsal process early on, and offered not only important insight into the opera and performance of the work, but a group square dancing lesson as well.
3: Yes, it it, it was it, it was so fun. Um, she came and kind of gave us a bit of a history lesson on, on the history of um, what we know as square dancing today um, and how it is a black tradition. Um, and we just had a very joyous afternoon of dancing and learning about this tradition through her. It was just a beautiful day.
0: Sounds like a, a really experience. I think it was on one of the hottest days we've had in San Francisco. You know, as
3: well. it was. And we weren't in you know, a weather controlled room. So that was a fun bonding experience.
0: What about 60 people all square dancing as one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: not, yes. Not
0: to be forgotten. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, where are you going from here in terms of your per- busy performance schedule?
3: Yeah. So um, next I go to Memphis and I um, perform Handel's Messiah. Um, and then off to L.A. Uh, with the L.A. Phil to do um, a uh, stage production of Das Rheingold. Um, so that should be really fun. And then off to Seattle Opera to sing in uh, Barbara Seville.
0: Fantastic. A busy schedule. It must be nice to be back on it, given uh, everything that we've been going through here. And, Absolutely. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the post, quote unquote, post-COVID world.
3: Yes. Yes. Always grateful to be doing what I love after all of that.
0: Well, I hope you'll come back next time you're in San Francisco. I hope the Marilla program prepared you for all of this wonderful career.
3: They absolutely did. It was a wonderful (laughs) summer, yes.
0: (laughs) Great. Uh, Catching Omar, you have just a few opportunities for remaining performances through the 17th sfopera.com. Uh, so nice to talk with you, Taylor, and hope to have you back maybe in person instead of uh, by zooming in. It makes such a difference to have some guests one on one. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah,
3: thank you for having me. Uh,
0: of course. Well, let's hear uh, what grabs you right at the beginning the opening sound of the Overture to Omar, music by Rihanna Gibbons and Michael Abels. <laughs> Gosh, I wish we could play more of that overture, but licensing and uh, the SF Opera can only provide us with so much. But let's continue with the um, oh, just a couple more things about Omar. Please try to catch some of the four remaining performances through the 17th, and on the 11th, 15th, 17th, and on the 21st, uh, I guess it is running through the 21st. I'll have to check that. Or you can check it at sfopera.com. Audiences are invited to join uh, members of the cast in the lower-level restaurant and bar for a post-opera talkback to further explore and process the story of enslaved Islamic scholar Omar ibn Said. Audience members will hear firsthand the experiences of cast members and the creative team behind this Pulitzer Prize-winning work, sfopera.com. Well, let's continue with the impressively curated California Festival lineup, a statewide music initiative showcasing the most compelling and forward-looking voices and performances of works written in the past five years in venues around the state, now through the 19th, at least those performances are, with San Francisco Contemporary Music Players opening its 53rd concert season this Saturday at 8 at Grace Cathedral with a program entitled Revoicing. The program has been constructed around the Bay Area premiere of Raven Chacon's Voiceless Mass, winner of a 2022 Pulitzer Prize in Music. Chacone is the first Native American to receive this prestigious award and was recently chosen as a recipient of a 2023 MacArthur Fellowship. Here to tell us more about the program is Executive Director Eric Dudley. Born in Toronto, raised in Connecticut, Eric leads a multi fascinated, fascinated, I'd say, and fascinated career as a conductor, composer. Vocalist and pianist deeply engaged in the performance and creation of contemporary music. Since its founding in 2009, Eric has been a member of the genre-defining defining a vocal octet, Roomful of Teeth, touring worldwide and recording a wide array of newly commissioned works with the Grammy Award-winning ensemble. He moved to the Bay Area in 2016 to oversee the orchestra program at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music becoming the Artistic Director for the San Francisco Contemporary Music Players in 2017. Eric also serves as one of the principal conductors for the Bendigo Festival of Exploratory Music in Australia and recently led Roomful of Teeth and Ensemble L'Instant Donné in a production with Peter Sellers at the Paris Festival d'Automne. As a pianist and chamber musician, he has performed with members of Novus New York in the Cincinnati and Princeton Symphony Orchestras, His own music has been premiered and recorded by the Hartford Symphony Orchestra, K-Music Percussion Duo, and by Roomful of Teeth. A man uniquely qualified to run the San Francisco Contemporary Music Players, it's a pleasure to welcome back to our KALW Airwaves, Eric Dudley. Hi, Eric. Hi, David. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Uh, Well, tell us first about this massive, first-time-ever California festival initiative.
5: Well, we're terribly excited to be a part of it. Um, it was something that we became aware of, uh, I guess, probably midway through the season planning for for this particular uh, you know performance year, um, and it was something that myself and our our current executive director Richard Aldug seized on because it was like, hey, this is a festival that's organized around groups that are you know, in their you know kind of estimation you know kind of at the forefront of of contemporary music presentation out here on the west coast and it's like well hey that's what we've been doing for the last 50 plus years so
0: let's try to get on board um Is application process or just online kind yeah of application
5: or- process and and a kind of a um you know yeah a, a letter of intent and and also just a um a kind of presentation of what uh programmatically we would be able to offer you know to be part of the festival and um fortunately for us and and i think you know hopefully it's a it's a solid addition to the offerings in general we were able to to slot right in with something like um raven chacon's vo- voiceless mass which will receive its its bay area premiere from us um and then partnered with pieces that each kind of i hope and believe sound off this this theme of of voices and the voiceless, and considering the very concept of a voice, you know, and what that means. So,
0: well, speaking of that Pulitzer Prize winner from twenty twenty two, Raven Chacon. Let's hear a little bit of uh, "Voiceless Mass." that will have mass. It will have its Bay Area premiere this Saturday at Grace Cathedral, and then more with Eric Dudley. <laughs> That's an excerpt from Raven Chacon's Voiceless Mass, a 2022 Pulitzer Prize winning piece which will have its Bay premiere, Bay Area premiere as part of the concert Revoicing this Saturday at 8 p.m. at Grace Cathedral here in San Francisco under the auspices of the California Festival and presented and performed by the San Francisco Contemporary Music Players. How music is made with guest composer Raven Chacon will be a part of that concert at seven, which you can attend at uh, at, um, at Grace Cathedral SFCMP for more information. That work, Eric, is presented in sort of uh, surround sound, isn't it? You, you have instrumentalists spaced throughout the cathedral to offer that ethereal yeah. sound.
5: Yeah, that's correct. It's um as I understand it, it was Raven's first orchestral commission. He's done a lot of smaller configuration music, uh, before, but he was really interested in the idea of using the space for which it was commissioned, um, which was a a church in the Midwest. Um, so, you know, he knew he was going to have the sound of this, this amazing organ and, uh, I think was very intentional in, in, in and you can hear in, in the excerpt, I think how the treatment of the rest of the instruments is also a little bit organ-like. You know, there's a, there's a very strong kind of, you know, element of each instrument functioning kind of as its own stop and, and each timbre kind of coming into and out of the four in different ways. So it's very much a surround sound concept. And in a space like Grace Cathedral, that's going to be amazing because yeah, we'll have true. the, the whole audience seated in the central nave, you know, and then all of our musicians positioned around them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really looking forward to using the space for, you know, what it's there for.
0: Indeed. Uh, I should also mention that Raven was awarded a 2023 MacArthur Fellowship. And speaking of organ, you have Christopher Keedy as guest organist for the wonderful use of the Grace Cathedral organ for Olivier Messiaen's work, Apparition de de l'Eglise Éternale. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: And that's that's really a piece to just kind of set the stage and the tone for the the whole program because that piece also I mean, it really takes its time it swells up from the very bottom depths of the organ's registration and slowly over the course of several minutes builds up to just huge presentations of big huge C major triumphant chords you know um, so it's a piece that that sort of excites and activates the whole sonic space over a a period of time. And then each of the works that follow kind of do that in their own way, you know, and and connect to that sonically.
0: Also, as a guest, someone who has been called extravagantly charismatic by no less than the San Francisco Chronicle, and uh, received a Master of Music degree from Vocal Performance from the San Francisco Conservatory, Tonya D'Amelio, to perform uh, George Crumb's Ancient Voices of Children. Yes.
5: Yeah. And has joined us as a soloist before. She's absolutely fantastic. Um, we had our first rehearsal on Crumb's Ancient Voices today. And I continue to be bowled over by the way she can just come into a situation like that and nail it. Um, it's certainly in, in that piece, the voice part, the solo soprano part is the most virtuosic. And it involves all kinds of cool, you know, crying and, and, um, extended effects and shouting and uh, and singing into the piano. Um, so there's lots of just yeah, fireworks, vocal fireworks in that piece as well. But of course, it's also extremely meditative. And these um texts that Crumb uses, all excerpted from Federico Garcia Lorca. Um, again, it's you know, in a way almost almost like Omar, you know, it's it's a confluence of of performing a piece that all of a sudden takes on a different resonance because of the news of the day. You know, so there's a the very famous line in in the fourth movement of that piece that's "Each afternoon in Granada, a child dies." Well, we could wow. very easily substitute just the name Gaza for that, and and feel how present the the and relevant the the meaning behind the text of the piece still is.
0: Powerful stuff, indeed. Um, likewise, from Omar and from uh, my other guests, it's just uh, it's just amazing how. Art is echoing, and it's so important for us to to uh, to process and get through life. It's mm-hmm. it's really something. So works by Messien, uh, Raven Chacon, George Crumb on revoicing the San Francisco Contemporary Music Players. Contemporary music players offering as part of the California Festival this Saturday at Grace Cathedral. 7 p.m., How Music is Made, a talk with guest composer Raven Chacon, and the 8 o'clock concert. SFCMP.org for more information. Eric, thanks for taking some time. We're going to go out with a a brief excerpt from Chinnery Ong's Luminous Spirals, a work from 1997. I'm doing so because I just want to showcase my friend Todd Brody. Todd will be featured soloist for that among the rest of the ensemble. Tell us a little bit about uh, Chinnery Ong. So Chinneri
5: is a California-based, Southern Southern California composer, Cambodian-American. And he has a whole set of pieces that are in this... uh, so-called Spirals series. Um, and this one was originally written for uh, Shakuhachi along with guitar and cello, but it's received most of its performances on flute. Um, and including this one and yes, Todd Brody was supposed to be a part of this, but the (laughs) last minute decided he couldn't make it happen. And so we have the fabulous Jesse Nucho joining us instead.
0: I'm not on the Rolodex yet, I guess. Jeez.
5: (laughs) Very recent development. Okay. But, um, but nonetheless, it's going to be a fantastic performance of that work as well. Um, and yeah, it's a great one to, to kind of go on, on. It's a beautiful
0: piece. I think we have the Da Capo players recording of it anyway. Um, yeah. But uh, a shout out to, to Todd and your, your other flutus coming in. Now, uh, before we hear that, among other concerts, the uh, Contemporary Players season will include a celebration of the 100th anniversary of the first U.S. performances of Schoenberg's Pierrot Lunaire. Give us a little tease of what those uh, celebrations and not only uh, concert, but also talk talks about the work
5: yeah so yeah it's the 100th anniversary of the u.s premiere it's also the 150th anniversary of schoenberg's birth so it's kind of a nice confluence of things for like yeah we should be you know looking at that piece again but we're calling the festival Pierrot rewind because it's essentially a way of starting in the present day with pieces that are still somehow affected or inspired by that you know more than 100 year old work um and it starts in, in, you know, the up to the moment versions of that and then wends its way back over the course of two concert programs to, you know, on the second half of the second concert, a performance of the piece itself. And we're pairing it with a visual element. We have a, um, a beautiful array of visual imagery that's going to be rendered, um, you know, on, on, uh, film that is essentially a, a bunch of Schoenberg's actual artwork. You know, that was mostly in the high expressionist style and then other expressionist art that goes along with it that helps to you know, align with the imagery of the of the poems and, and tell the story of the piece. But we've got, you know, composers all across the board um, featured on that festival, um, strong American contingent, um, including composers like Jesse Montgomery, Andrew Norman, um, uh, piece by young composer Kevin Day, so just all kind of pieces written for the PRO configuration, or or slightly larger, or slightly smaller, <laughs> you know, that if, you know use that instrumentation and versions of it to evoke the same kind of sound world and and play on it in some way. So it should be very cool.
0: Well, stay tuned to this space, and Eric, perhaps you can come back in the spring to tell us more about that.
5: That'd be great. Thank you.
0: Eric Dudley is the artistic director of the San Francisco Contemporary. Music players, their concert This Saturday in Grace Cathedral features music by Olivier Messiaen, Raven Chacon, and George Crum, as well as this work. Here's an excerpt from Luminous Spirals, sfcmp.org for more information. Thanks again, Eric. Thank Thank you. Excerpt from *Luminous Spirals*, a work by Chinnery Ong, Cambodian composer, who is presenting as part of *Revoicing* this Saturday, the San Francisco Contemporary Music Players' eight o'clock concert in Grace Cathedral. SFCMP.org for more information. Well, as usual here on the Arts, never enough time to offer. Uh, even a smattering of the amazing cultural offerings in the Bay Area. And also part of the California Festival, the San Francisco Symphony this weekend, will be presenting Kinema by its music director, Esa Pekka Salonen. It'll be the first San Francisco Symphony performances, five scenes for solo clarinet and string orchestra, which feel like... Spaces where you can exist for a few minutes at a time, according to the composer. It's inspired by a film score for a Finnish romantic drama, and the concert work was commissioned and premiered in 2021 by the Finnish Radio Symphony. Clarinetist Carrie Bell will be the featured soloist. And also on that program, Jens Ibsen's Drowned in Light, a San Francisco Symphony Commission and World Premiere, as well as Igor Stravinsky's Symphony in Three Movements. Which we'll hear in the background now as I offer a little bit more of a cultural calendar. Cal Performances continues its season with the Brad Meldau Trio this Saturday at 8 in Zellerbach Hall. And Cal Performances also offers the Takaks Quartet at Hertz Hall in UC Berkeley on Sunday. The Glide annual holiday jam, Keep On, returns to the Masonic in, on Thursday. That's tomorrow, celebrating Reverend Cecil Williams' 60th anniversary at Glide and the music of Ashford and Simpson, with special guests Valerie Simpson, Dwayne Wiggins, Goapele, and Martin Luther McCoy. Go to fundraise.givesmart.com for more information. SF Performances prevents pre- presents. I don't think they'll prevent it. I don't think they'll encourage it. Stephen Hoff, pianist at Herbst Hall on the 14th, sfperformances.org. And the Marsh Berkeley continues the celebration of the 14th anniversary of Don Reed's hit show, East 14th, written, performed, produced, and directed by Don Reed. It's going to be happening November 11th through December 17th, the marsh.org. If you want to venture down to San Jose, please do so. The San Jose Stage Company is presenting this wonderful play, The Play That Goes Wrong, written by Henry Lewis, Jonathan Sayer, and Henry Shields, through December 17th, thestage.org for more information. And vertical dance company Bandaloop celebrates the grand opening of their expanded West Oakland home base with a free community event at the Bandaloop Studios this Sunday, November 12th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's at 1601 18th Street at the corner of 18th and Peralta in West Oakland, bandaloop.org for more information. Let's enjoy a little Stravinsky, shall we? An excerpt from Stravinsky's Symphony in Three Movements. That was the San Francisco Symphony under the direction of Michael Tilson Thomas. Its current music director, Esa Pekka Salonen, presents that as well as other works this weekend. SfSymphony.org for more information. On the Arts is produced by Janice Lee. If you've got a show suggestion or a segment suggestion, send me an email. I'm david at kalw.org. And all of our shows are archived at kalw.org. If you've heard something you like or would like to refer people to that site, please do. Thanks for listening. I'm David Latulip.